good. Oh my goodness. I forget we live in Arizona, but this year seems, I don't know about you guys, it seems extra hot this year. It seems hotter. Like the intensity feels hotter. Um, it feels much hotter. So, Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, please open to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. It's good seeing everyone tonight, tonight, this afternoon, today. We want to turn the lights on up there so we can see. There you go. Ephesians 6, we've been uh, going through the book of Ephesians, which is kind of fun, and it's also scary because we're almost done. I've got to think about, Lord, what, what do we do next? So I'm in prayer for that. Um, and, of course, we are in the section on the armor of God. And uh, so I want to read uh, verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10 says, Now, be finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to, to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and, pret- and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I'll stop there. Paul is, as he's dictating, as he's writing this letter, he is getting really serious about our, our, our position and our relationship with evil forces, as Christians, we are in a battle. We've talked about that in, in, uh, in the last few weeks. And a lot of us know and realize that the battle is real. Sometimes, especially in the fact that we live in America, we don't really realize some of the battle, but battle is given to us every day. Every day there's a challenge, there's a battle, there's a challenge that says, will you or will you not follow Christ? Will you draw near to Jesus or will you not draw near? Will you trust Jesus or will you run away from Jesus? There's a constant thing, and Paul said, listen, you've got to be strong in the Lord and in his strength. And the enemy means business. The devil's not taking a vacation because it's hot in Arizona. I want to take a vacation because it's hot in Arizona. <laughs> 
So Paul says, listen, you are to stand firm and resist the devil. Stand firm because the fact that he has these schemes, he has powers, he's a powerful uh, entity, a person, and he has powerful forces with him. Take up the full armor of God. Now we've talked about the first armor, which was guarding your loins with truth. And the idea was this, that just as the, the belt and a Roman soldier held things together, your life ought to be held together by truth. If not, you stumble or can stumble and trip you up. And without even touching you, the enemy can just defeat you because you're just tripping up over the truth or non-truth. Well, today we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. The breast, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And there's going to be three headings we're going to do tonight. We're going to do three headings, three questions we're going to answer. First question we're going to answer is this. What is the breastplate of righteousness? What is it? What is the breastplate of righteousness? Second heading is, second question is, what does the breastplate of righteousness do for me? And thirdly, how do I use it? Or what's the result of using it? We'll put those together. What's the breastplate of righteousness? What does the breastplate of righteousness do for me, and how do I use it, and what's the result of that? I think that's technically four questions, but three headings. How does that sound? Three headings. Breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so Paul, of course, is in chains, as he said, which means literally he's in chains. Literally, he has chains around him. He's, pro- he's chained. He probably has a Roman soldier near his side. He's probably reflecting on life as a Christian, and he's in prison. He's not playing Oxbox or, his, or watching Netflix. He's in prison for Jesus' sake. And when he's there, of course, he observes that there's a, there's a soldier there, and, and he's reflecting on that. And he's also reflecting on several other things, but he's like, listen, there's this soldier near me, and he's wearing an armor. And, of course, one of the things that they wore was a breastplate, and it was worn by soldiers, and it protected. It went from the sol- about the neck area to about the top of the thighs, in the front and in the back. And it was a vital piece of equipment the soldier would wear it because it was protective of very important parts of the body. In the Old Testament, you see the fir- one of the first mentions is of Goliath being um, the, due to the giant, and he's still wearing armor, and he's clad with this armor, this breastplate, or scale armor it's also called, against David. In the same scene, David ta- is ta- uh, Saul takes David and puts his own armor on David, and of course, it's too big for him. He puts his armor on, because it's important. Because you know, if you're in battle, you're going to have to wear armament. See, sometimes we forget that we are in a battle, and things come our way, and we're like, what happened here? What hap- what, how did this happen? Well, because we, we have enemies shooting things at us, right? We are in a spiritual battle. He's like, I don't see any spiritual battle. Well... We'll get into that in a second. Here's what's interesting is that not only is, is Paul reflecting on this or looking at this Roman soldier, he's also reflecting on some verses in the Old Testament that describe God as being a warrior. I want you to go to uh, Isaiah chapter 59. In Isaiah 59 and in verse 17, if you want to turn there or show it on the screen, either way, Isaiah 59 
describing God as a warrior, as a warrior king, so to speak, a divine warrior, it says, and he put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Interesting, Paul mentions two of this, those two things. So Paul knows his Old Testament, he, and he also knows the, the Roman soldier, and he's looking, okay, there's this, there's this link here, there's this breastplate of righteousness. This is God's own armor that he's telling us to guard ourselves with. Now the breastplate was vitally important. It protected, of course, the heart, right? Um, it protected the liver and the kidneys and the, in, you know, the most, this area is very important. It's one thing if you get a, a flesh wound on the arm, right? You may not die from that. But if you get a, you get stabbed here, or you get shot here, it's, that's, those are crucial territory here. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the, it protected uh, from fatal attacks or near fatal attacks which tells you something that the enemy is not playing games. The fact that you actually have to wear something to protect you of these significant areas tells you that the enemy is not playing games. And we'll get to what the corresponds in, uh, is in a second. The question is, how then does a breastplate relate to righteousness? And what he's Paul is saying is this. He says, arm yourself with righteousness which serves as a breastplate. Arm yourself with righteousness which serves as a breastplate. Righteousness is like a breastplate. It protects some vital organs, so to speak, okay? Like the physical breastplate, righteousness is a vital piece in the spiritual armor, in a spiritual battle. It protects spiritually from fatal and near-fatal shots and various serious uh, injuries. In the Scripture... The heart, the, uh, actually the kidneys were one major organ where they would associate um, feelings in the kidneys. They would associate, uh, they wouldn't think about the brain. Everything was centered in here. They would think, uh, they would, um, the emotions were seated in, in here, not in here. Um, so everything was tied. Emotions are often tied to spiritual, to the heart, to the kidneys, or they call the kidneys, to the livers. Leaves me. That's where the seat of emotion was. Um, when somebody was moved with compassion, it means that their insides and trigant, you know, was moved with compassion, not their. You know what I'm saying? The enemy often wants to attack us where we live and where we feel and where our emotions are. Or, and so that's what he aims at. And so this breastplate of righteousness is a vital piece of armor. Now what is this, what's righteousness he's talking about here? Well, we know first of all that God's righteous, right? Let's just, God is righteous. And what does that mean to be righteous? It means you conform to a law or it means you conform to uh, a standard, and God conforms to his, his own standard. He conforms to himself, right? We know that God is, is, is a righteous, he's righteous in and of himself. He is the standard of goodness. Uh, he, he is the, the, the one who's morally perfect. Everything is measured against God, okay? Um, 
we know that he is, he is righteous just in and of himself. Jesus says he's the righteous father. Jesus is praying, righteous father. Uh, the world doesn't know you, but it knows me, right? Uh, we know that he is righteous, as First John says. That God is righteous. That's why God can't sin. God, that would mean God would be contrary to who he is. And God can't be contrary to who God is. So right off the bat, he's righteous, okay? Um, we know he's, he's righteous in what he does. He's righteous in his actions. Everything he does is righteous. Right. But here in Ephesians, what is Paul referring to? Well, now, I'll be honest. I was reading the commentators and agreeing with some and really disagreeing with others. <laughs> Um, because there's, there's a couple of options here, and we'll, we'll get into them. One, one option is to say that righteousness is how you live. It's a practical righteousness. And Paul's saying, and according to these commentators, is you know, live out that righteous living, and that righteous living will defend you against the devil, right? It's what is called, we call an impartation of righteousness, or the imparted righteousness. It's, it's as, um, it's, um, it's what Paul says in Philippians. He says this. He says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not always in my, not always, not as in my absence or my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out the salvation, your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's, he's what he's saying. That righteousness is working out what God has worked in you. So when you became a Christian, it's like God planted a seed in you, so to speak, and that's growing out, right? He is conforming you to the image of His Son, right? That's happening in day-to-day life as you're obeying and living and the Holy Spirit's changing everything else. That's a process. We call that sanctification, right? Um, in fact, in Ephesians, we know that God has given us something new inside. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. This, I'm, I'm going to take my time at this point here. Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 24, there's only three, three times that Paul mentions righteousness in the book of Ephesians, and one of them is in chapter 6, verse 14, which we just read. The next one, the first one was in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Look there. In Ephesians 4, 24, it says, And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created, wow, in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So Paul's saying, listen, you have a new self. There's something new about you. Put that on. Okay? And the commentators would say, well, that's part of, you know, living out a, a righteous life, a vir- virtuous life, you know. Um, go to Ephesians 5, just the next page over, Ephesians 5 and verse um, 7, 8, and 9. It says, therefore, do not be partakers with them, verse 8, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. It says, you are different now, walk differently, Right? So there's the righteousness that's about how you live. And that's, of course, it's a good thing to live a virtuous life. Listen, if you live a life that's, that's kind of like off from the ways of God, that sets you up for failure. It's kind of like gets your, your easy target for the devil, right? Um. But I, I, don't, I don't agree with that position. I don't agree with that position. Um, 
I don't know, if, 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 if the devil's going to attack me, I, I, and I'm going to say, yeah, but I've lived a righteous life. I'm living a righteous life. Satan can come to me and says, but you didn't do this, right? He can always find something I didn't do. He can always find that one area where I lacked, right? If I'm depending on how I live to defend me, I'm in big trouble. I don't know about you. I'm in huge trouble. If my, righteous, if, if my breastplate is me living righteously, I'm in huge trouble. Because how good is good enough? How good is good enough? Well, the quiet time today, uh, but did you pray without ceasing? Oh, man, no, I didn't actually. <laughs> you know, you can always find something, you can always find a level where you don't measure up. How are you guys with me? And the devil doesn't have to do with it to me. I could do it to myself. Yeah, I could, but I could have done more, right? And then who says the standard? How many our fathers do you have to pray? <laughs> How many good works do you have to do to be to to have your defense so that there's no kink in the armor? Don't there, no, is that kink? But the no no chink or what's the word? Chink and whatever. If my righteousness is my defense, I'm in huge trouble. Because the devil can find ways around that so fast and shoot me down so fast. Lord, have mercy if I have to depend on that. So no, I disagree with those commentators. A lot of them, do, a lot of them commentators are, are there. I'm like, no, do you live, I'm sorry, do you live life in this world? Because guess what? If it's me living my righteous life, now get, I understand what they're saying. But to be my breastplate, go back to Ephesians chapter 6. What does it say? Put on what? The full armor of what? Of who? The full armor of, of John? No, the full armor of God. It tells you two things. One, it's armor from God, and it's actually, secondly, God's own armor. It's armor from God, not John, and it's armor that's actually God's own armor. You see that? Now, <clears throat> what's the righteousness he's talking about? Well, it is what is called technically what we call imputed righteousness. Oh, this is good. This is good news. This is the righteousness where God declares the believer not guilty or actually less than uh, actually more than not guilty, okay? It is what we call justification, right? It is the righteousness that comes by faith, right? And the technical term is justification. It's like, what's the big deal about that? It's a big deal. Because here's what it is. Go to Zechariah chapter 3. Go to Zechariah chapter 3. I'll show you something. Here's an illustration of what it means. Um, uh, Zechariah. It's in the Old Testament. I am looking like, which way am I going here? It's like, it's second and last book, yeah. Zechariah, Malachi, then Matthew, so it's back there. So in Zechariah, Zechariah actually takes place in about 518, 520-ish B.C., okay? The, the Jewish people have come back from, from captivity, and they started building their temple. They laid the foundation, and then they stopped, right? And, Zech and God raises up Zechariah and Haggai to sort of encourage them to get back to building the temple and finish the job, right? So, but they ran into discouragement and problems and enemies, things like that, right? 
Well, in Zechariah chapter 3, it says, Then he showed me Joshua, not Joshua from the book of Joshua, because he's way dead, but Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And, who's there right next to him? Satan, standing at his right hand to do what? To accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a, a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, See, I have taken away your iniquity from you. Stop right there. That's the first thing. When God, when we placed our faith in Christ, the first thing that happened was he took away our, our sins. He took away our filthy garments. Okay, that's the first step. Okay, he, he removed all of the, um, the things we've done wrong, the, all, of our, um, all of our mess. Um, he forgave us. He removed our sin, past, present, and future. Um, it's gone. It's removed. It's cleansed. The second thing he does is this. I'll keep reading. I have taken away your iniquity from, from you and will clothe you in festal robes. Then I said, let him put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. And clothe them with garments while they're with the angel of the Lord standing by. Then he admonishes and he says, verse 7, The Lord of hosts, if, uh, well, he says, hey, follow the Lord, do what he says, etc., etc. That's just, the second step. First step was this, removing of the filthy garments. Second is putting on righteous robes. When God declares us to be righteous, he does this by two steps. One, removing sin. Secondly, by putting and clothing us with righteousness, specifically the righteousness of Christ. Isaiah 61 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. Now this is huge. Huge, 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 huge. Okay, Because if there's one armor that I personally need to realize and wear, it is this. This is where the enemy aims at me constantly. Okay? This is where I personally, I know some people are like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with where I am with the Lord, but sometimes this is where he gets me. Okay? Because the accuser is, is always standing at and he's wanting to find something to accuse you of. And if you're realizing and say, well, if it depends on me, you'll get discouraged and realize, yeah, you're right. Oh, oh, oh boy, you know, ouch, ouch, that hurt, right? But if you stand and you know, hold on, my sins have been taken away from me and I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that's a whole other thing, right? The enemy wants you to get your eyes on, off of Christ and onto self. 
And if you get your eyes on his self, he got you. Does that make sense? Paul says that right now for the believer, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In fact, in Romans 8.33, he says, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, and who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or, let me add, self-inflicted wounds? The answer is none of that, right? It is by faith in Christ. Paul says you have a righteousness that protects you from that because it is something that God has given to you. When God sees you, he sees you as a believer, if you're a believer in Christ, as righteous and not just filthy rags, but clothed with garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. If you see yourself in that way, that will help you in your spiritual battle. But if you see yourself as being clothed with filthy garments or if you having to clothe yourself with works of righteousness, you will fail and be discouraged and never measure up. And you'll always try to measure up and you'll never succeed. You'll be discouraged and frustrated every day. And you'll try and you'll be a little mouse on the wheel going like this. Oh, is today I'll get good enough, I'll get good enough, you know? And it's like, you guys ever watched the, that, what's that ninja uh, show with the obstacle course? American Ninja, ninja Have you guys ever seen that? They have these crazy obstacle courses, and one of the last things they have to do is this, this they have to go up this, this ramp, they have to run, right, and go up and try to get up it, you know? And some of these guys just can't do it because it's too high. And sometimes if you think, that, you, what, that your defense is you going up that and trying harder and harder, you'll never ever make it. And you'll never be enough. And you'll never live, live in victory. It is a result of our faith in Christ. Christ has become our righteousness. In fact, look at Philippians 3. This, I love what Paul says here. Look at Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Remember, we're still on this first question. What is the breastplate of righteousness? Philippians 3, final verse, and we'll go to the next point. He says in verse 2, Beware of the dogs. He's talking about, not actual dogs, but evil workers and people who are against him. Beware of the evil workers, beware of their false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Then he says, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has in mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. He says, listen, I used to live on this side of the equation. You want to talk about me and righteousness? Let's, let's have at it. 
He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. I was the nation of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. By the way, I'm named after the first king, Saul. Thank you very much. A Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee. Now, we look at the Pharisees and we say, oh, those guys are bad guys. No, actually, those guys studied the Torah and the law more than everybody else, and they tried to observe it. Problem is they missed the Lord of the law right in front of them, and they condemned people. As to this righteousness, wait, hold on, as to the zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is of law, found blameless. He said, I did everything the law said. But whatever things were gained to me, those I, had count, I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ, more than that, I count all things to be in loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them all but rubbish in order, in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness on my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see that transition there? Made all the difference in the world. Paul says, you take up that full armor of God that God has given you, and you wear that breastplate of righteousness, and you know that that breastplate is given by Christ. It is His righteousness, and that's the only thing I can defend. Listen, if this is God's armor... And God's this valiant warrior, this divine warrior, who's been in battle. Don't you know that that armor's been tested? Don't you realize that that armor has been tried and true, and you don't feel the effects, right? You guys watch sports, you know, football? They wear armor, don't they? It's like they're having battle. And some of those guys, they get injuries, I understand. But, you know, it's like, they don't feel it as much. It takes the blow, right? They can get hit and get back up because they realize, oh, my helmet took care of me or my shoulder pads took care of me or whatever, you know? It's the same way. God's armor has, takes the blow. It takes the punishment so you don't feel it. You know what it's like? It's like this. I went to Israel several years ago and we went to this, um, this fortress that's called the Herodium, Okay? Um, it's a fortress that's sort of like on a hill, right? Imagine you're sort of like your traditional looking castle, not castle, but like your fortress thing, right? Big bricks, right? So this one day we were going, and it was extremely windy this day. I'm talking, if it was a hurricane, I, it would, felt like it, you know? It was, and we're going up this hill, and we're leaning, the hill's like this, we're leaning towards the hill so that we're not blown away. It was powerful winds, I had never been in winds that strong in my life, even to this day. So we're going up this hill, trying to get there, walking backwards, you know, trying to not get blown away. It was huge. We get up to the top, and you go around, and you go inside. And the minute you walk inside these huge fortress, the minute you walk inside, guess what? You ain't feeling no wind anymore. In fact, you know it's windy outside, but you're like, oh, that's nice in here. How can we stay a lot longer because I don't want to go back out there, you know? That's what God's armor does. It takes the blow. It takes the brunt of the punishment, so to speak. So you don't have to. If you're feeling it, you're not wearing it. If you're feeling it, you're not wearing it. What do you mean? Well, let's talk about what the breastplate does. Point number two, what can the breastplate do for me? Well, 
First thing, the breastplate protects me. It can protect me. I say can if you wear it, it protects you. If you, if you, if you are on this side of the equation with Christ and he gives to you, it can protect you. Just as the physical breastplate, the breastplate, this is going to be a tongue twister, breastplate, protected my vital organs. It protects the part of the body that, where, where my emotions and heart and feelings are located, where my moods are. My mom used to say, I wear my, my, my moods on my, my, on my sleeve. Is that how it is? My heart, I would wear my heart on my sleeve. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't know if it's part of being Italian or just being <laughs> a fallen creature, you know. So this breastplate can te- protect me from those of us who live by our feelings. I feel, I feel distant from God today. I feel very cold. The breastplate can protect you from that. Because what the enemy tries to do in attacking you there, he's attacking you to challenge you on where you are with God. He says, God is, you're, you're far from God. So, you're cold. You're distant from God. God's gone away from you. It protects me when I feel encouraged some days, yes, but discouraged most days. It can protect me if I feel like I don't measure up. How many of you guys don't feel like you measure up? Because we're on this side of the equation. Let's change that breastplate and put on a new breastplate. Because you don't measure up. Thank you, Lord. I don't measure up. Which is why you have to give me your armor and your, your robes of righteousness because mine were filthy rags. It can protect me when I feel condemned. How many of you guys ever feel condemned? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the breastplate of righteousness. It protects me when I don't feel like I do enough. That's me most days. Lord, help me to do more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Let's do more. When I have experienced lows and I experience highs and all those experiences, when I've gone to the when I've gone away and I felt really close to God on the mountaintop, but then I came back down to the valley and I'm feeling really distant from God. Well, what ha- it protects me from the feelings of, well, what happened here? My spirituality is tied to experiences. I feel close to God when I was in college. Oh, we used to pull all-nighters in college. Those were the glory days, you know? All-nighters, studying for chemistry and Drinking jolt and coffee and going to Denny's and <laughs> but doing the retreats and feeling close to God because you're doing stuff, you know. It protects me, it can protect me when the exact accusations come, start coming my way in the right ear and the left ear. Here you da 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 right, left and right. And those accusations are often always true. You're right, I don't measure up. But if I give in to this and say, well, I don't measure up and I need to start trying harder, then I'm wearing the wrong breastplate. But if I say, you know, you're right, but guess what? I got this, this fortress in front of me. The breastplate of lechiousness protects me when I have no feelings or emotions. I feel numb. Have you guys ever felt numb before? I just feel numb. 
just numb. I feel I have no feeling. Some of us, it protects us from our prideful accomplishments. Some people are like, well, listen, well, I don't know about you guys, all struggling with your feelings and your emotions, but guess what? I fast three times a day, and I do all the stuff I can do, you know. No, it can protect you from that because, really, listen, God can just, just lighten, just kind of reveal what you really are is this over here with your own filthy, filthy rags. God says, no, 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 don't depend on that. It protects me when I don't feel like I am worthy to even pray or study the Bible. See, here's what Satan does. Oh, man, he gets you on both ways. One, he gets you, he says, you're not doing enough, right? Right, you're not doing enough. Then you start doing more things. He says, you know, but, you know, God is, is a God of light, right? He's a God of light, and he knows something, and there's no darkness in him at all, which is true. And he does not dwell with darkness. And you, mm, a little bit of you, that's how you, how do you, how dare you read his word? You're not worthy enough to even touch his word, to pray. How could you go to God in prayer after you just said such and such and did so and so what you did? You see that? He gets you try, to try to drive you away from God, and then when you try to get close to God, he says, oh, look at, look at, look at, look at, hey, how dare you come to God? Listen, I went through that for my, this is personal. I went through a time when I didn't feel worthy to even touch the Bible. I'm talking to even, just the fact we're doing this tonight, the fact that I'm even talking is a God thing. Because I went through months where I felt so low, so because I listened, all right? I felt so low. To even open up, I felt so unworthy. Oh my goodness, is that twisted or what? God says, come to me all, right? This is water for your soul. Are you thirsty? Yes. Now, are you thirsty? Oh, well, how could you come when you're thirsty? Well, that's how twisted is. You see that? I went through a huge time of Devil pointing our, our, our inadequacies and my failures and not feeling worthy and not doing enough to God, earn God's love. And, but thank God for his breastplate, which can protect me from all that. It can protect me when I'm too busy serving God, feeling like, well, i got to do more. And then it leads to burnout. Why? It protects me, it protects all of us, because we can rest This is huge. This is, listen, okay, I'm listening to a, a biography on, uh, on Martin Luther. Um, phenomenal, I'm not all the way through, I'm a good part of it through. A lot of the, ref, the reason why we're at, not at a Catholic church or right now is because of Martin Luther's discovery of very certain things. A lot of it, uh, he was challenging the, uh, the, the church's um, uh, um, um, how can I put this? How they would try to raise money for, for their building projects and had indulgences, you know, and they would say, you know, and they would hire very slick salesmen to go out and preach these kind of messages. And it horrified Martin Luther. And, and Luther did not want to leave the church. He wanted to, he, he, actually, when he did his 95 theses, which are, are things he wanted, there was supposed to be a private discussion between he and other scholars within their church. And somehow it got circulated and people started getting, catching wind of what was going on. 
Oh my, where did I, how did I get on this? How did I get into the subject of where are we at here? We're talking about righteousness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Martin Luther tries to earn his righteousness by doing it this way, right? But God gives him revelation. Hey, it's by faith. You I mean I've been crawling on my knees, whipping myself, punishing myself, lodging my knees, constantly. When I don't have to do that, Christ took that for me. That's a huge revelation. Huge, 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 huge. Most of us or a lot of us will go for our life either living in this side or that side. And if we struggle to measure up, guess what? Here's the thing. On your own, you don't measure up. And we will never measure up. So let's just give that up and say, Lord, thank you, though. Thank you, God. Thank you, armor. That's his nice armor, God. Thank you. Oh, boy, it can take a punishment. And I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to feel it. Breastplate of righteousness can protect me from all kinds of things. Depression in my spiritual life, distance, feeling of distance from God. Why? Because secondly, breastplate of righteousness can give me a confidence and assurance. It gives me a confidence and assurance that God is with me in the battle. That my standing with God is secure. Satan may say, yeah, John, but you did this or you forgot to do that and say, yeah, you're right. I did. You're right. You're exactly, thanks for pointing it out to me, but thank you, Jesus, that I am secure in my position with Christ. And then he tries another one. See, here's what he does. He just changes angles, right? The breastplate gives me assurance and confidence that when I face the most dire circumstances, God is still with me. That God is still on my side. Here's what's interesting. Even if you have to face a trial or tribulation or uncertainty, and you don't know what God's doing, you know that God's still on your side. You could be like the three young men in, in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny, if you like watch VeggieTales. And they're about to be thrown into this fiery furnace, right? And they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning the matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's the confidence that comes when you wear the breastplate of righteousness, you know you're going to get attacked, but you also know it can take an attack, and you know that God's with you. Are you guys still with me? Am I? Okay. It gives you confidence, right? I like to watch football sometimes, and I also like to watch rugby sometimes. This is interesting, and they're very similar in how they play. They're very physical, right? But the difference is this. You don't see rugby players diving headfirst into a, into, to tackle a guy, but you do in the NFL. Why? Because they have so con- they're so confident in their helmet and their shoulder pads to protect them that they will leap and give their full body into tackling somebody, whereas in rugby they don't have armor, they don't have protection, so they're very selective in how they tackle. Wearing the armor of God will give you confidence that, hey, listen, this can take it. You can try to challenge my position with God, but that will never change. 
The only thing the devil can do is to take your eyes off of Jesus and put it on yourself. And you start looking at yourself, you say, I don't measure up, and you're exactly right. And you start getting inter- introverted or in- inward looking here. And you start getting, ooh, oh yeah, I'm a mess here, I'm a mess here, and, and oh, that's, and you start bringing all this self things, right? And you're exactly right. Then he starts, he leads you into this position of saying, yeah, and I don't measure right, you're right. And all the, look at, oh my goodness, all this mess, this dirt. And once he's got your eyes off of Christ and onto self, He's won the battle. That's why you turn your eyes to Jesus, right? You say, yeah, you're right about those things, but guess what? I'm here, and Jesus is my Savior, and He's got me, right? It gives me confidence that our salvation is secure. The, the, the song that we're probably going to sing in a few minutes, uh, he says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And we know that, listen, we know that our confidence is in the finished work of Christ. So, for third point, real quick, how do I put on this breastplate of righteousness? How? By depending fully on the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness. By depending fully on Him. Not on yourself, but on Christ. Therefore, beloved, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter... um, um, well, actually, in a second. Hebrews in a second. Time out. Hebrews 10, I'll just read it to you. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, let's go boldly, right? So we depend on Christ. We depend on Christ. That's what you do. You put on righteousness of the breastplate by depending on Christ. You see that? You depend fully on Christ. God, today I'm going dep- I'm, I'm to trust in you. I'm going to depend on you. I lean entirely on Christ and his finished work. You get your eyes off of self, you get it onto Christ. That's the beginning of putting on the breastplate of righteousness. You see that? And the second is, is likened to it. It's, secondly, it's drawing near to Christ. Now go to Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll finish with this verse. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Verse 14. Since then, Hebrews 4, 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. Brothers and sisters, family, we're going to get attacked. You're going to get attacked. I'm going to get attacked. It's a spiritual thing we're going to go through in this life, okay? As long as we are on this side of heaven, we're going to get attacked. Let's not be surprised about that. We know it's coming. That's why we wear it. And if we were in a real battle, we would get up every day and we'd immediately arm ourselves up, right? We'd suit ourselves up. We're hopefully sleeping at, you know. We'd, I would sleep. <laughs> I would be sleeping with, <laughs> with you know, chain mail and <laughs> we'd be living in a metal hut or something, you know. But let us draw near every day because you don't know what the enemy wants to bring your way. And he always wants to attack you when you least expect it. So be prepared. 
put on his breastplate, depend on the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness, draw near to Christ because he knows how to help you. He knows what the temptations are like. He knows how the enemy works. But he also knows that you need him and he is your advocate. He is our advocate with the Father. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand in his righteousness. and Stand firm. And let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us such wonderful armor and equipment to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Lord, I know that many of us in this room are facing battles, significant battles, and we have begun to doubt. We've come to wonder, where are you at? What are you doing? Help us to get our minds off of that and onto you, Jesus. You have not left us. You're where, very well aware of what we're going through, and you're still with us. And our standing with you has not changed. You're a good God. And Lord, I would pray for your encouragement, Lord. I pray that you would encourage, that we would look our eyes to you right now as we, as we worship you, as we reflect, as we just come in our hearts to, towards you, Lord. And would you meet us where we're at, Lord? Be with us in this fire, fire furnace that we're facing, God. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.